Hello and welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. It's the international break, but when you're a Scotland fan, a break is never relaxing. Steve Clark leads his charges into battle against Belgium. Oh boy. But first, they'll be Putin on a show against Russia at Hamden tonight. Oh yeah. Let's get ourselves to Euro 2020. Because everyone else is. The transfer window was closed. What a deadline day we had. Rangers cough up for Kent and Broadfoot blast his way out of the door at Kelly. All that to come. Plus, we bring you the best Kelty Hearts v Solihull Moors preview you'll hear this week. Alongside me in the studio, qualified coach and future <laughs> Scotland manager, JJ Bull of The Telegraph. That's right. 1.3 SFA, baby. <laughs> What's 1.3? What does that mean? There's um, you do 1.1, 1. 1, 1.2, 0. 0.3, then you do a C license, then you do, then you do your UEFA B, then you do UEFA A, then you come a pro license, then you can manage in the Premier League. All right, cool. I've got a long way to go. Joining us as well, fully paid up member of the Tartan Army from Kicker, Anthony Joseph. Welcome back. Oh, it's good to be back. Yeah, how are you, man? Yeah, all right. Yourselves? Yeah. I'm all right. Yeah, it's excited good. for International Week. I'm, I'm excited. I'm more out of breath because <laughs> I've ran here. I'm absolutely scunner. At least you do it again. I'm really excited because this is the first time you've read that intro perfectly Get ever. No, I read it perfectly every time. This oh, is the right. magic of podcasting. <laughs> um, it's so good though. <laughs> uh, look, the, the Challenge Cup is, is in a way. We'll talk about the international. But listen, it's great at lower league football. Kelty Hearts versus Solly Hull in the newly renamed Tunnock's Caramel Wafer Cup. It's a great, How it's good a great is sponsor. that? You have to say not, the full thing every time as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not just the Tunnock's Cup. No. It's, it's the, the Tunnock's Caramel Wafer Cup. Or like the TCW. You can't see that either. Big question. Biggest question of all throughout this podcast. Favourite biscuit? Between a chocolate digestive really? and shortbread. Yeah. I'm quite, I'm quite plain on that. You're just playing in the Scottish cup no, no. of shortbread, but a chocolate, no, chocolate digestive. digestive. Dip that in tea. It's perfect. That's so... I mean, it's, it's mildly above boring. Ticks, <laughs> That's so ticks, hard. Ticks <laughs> well, what's chocolate yours? digestive. What's, what's wrong with that? Biscuit, Kit Kat, every day. No, you've got a, chocolate, you've a, got wafer, and oh, you've got no, no, sugary no. bits in between. That's a I'm chocolate, talking about not layers a biscuit, here, though. not two layers. No, but that's a chocolate, not a biscuit. No, oh, now you're going to... Don't get started on Jaffa cakes and stuff. I think technically <laughs> it does count as a biscuit, actually. Think does it? it? Yeah. Kit Kat. I think if it crunches, it's a biscuit. I think it does, yeah. I would. I mean, I would. I think Tonic's caramel wafers are absolutely delicious. Oh man. God, I would. I mean, it would just be so nice if someone sent a box of them to the studio. I, I mean, if only you know, they like, knew. If if only they knew that we really f- even even do you know what we tea cakes as well? They're pretty good. Well, I was saying that next year Ladbrokes' sponsorship of the SBFL runs out. It'd yeah. be great if it's the Tonic's caramel tea cake absolutely. Scottish Premiership. Yes, it's Scotland versus Russia in Euro 2020 qualifying. Both teams level on six points in Group I. Feels like the race for second behind Belgium. Feels like a must win for Steve Clark's side. Here to tell us just what we're up against is friend of the Totally Football Show, Russian football journalist Sasha Goryanov. The last we remember of Russia, they were shocking everyone, beating Spain, getting to the last eight of their own World Cup. How have the side progressed in the last year or so? Well, they sort of progressed to uh, not winning their um, Nations League group. Uh, they failed in the last game against Sweden quite miserably. But I think the progress in the European uh, Championship qualifiers has been pretty comfortable. I mean, they did 
lose to Belgium, but I think everybody expected them to lose to, to Belgium. And uh, they won through the three other matches. And to be honest, they're quite confident, I think, ahead of the Scotland game, given that Scotland somehow managed to lose 3-0 in Kazakhstan, uh, which, to which the Russians couldn't really believe it. And they basically went, wow, uh, the Scottish team is absolutely village. Um, because a few days later, the Russians went there and won 4-0. And they were like, well, how could you lose 3-0 to these? So, uh, yeah, I mean, the squad's changed a bit since the World Cup. Uh, so about half the players called up by Stanislav Cherchesov were part of the squad um, last year. Uh, but essentially, Cherchesov is quite a conservative coach. Uh, he doesn't really like to experiment at all. So I think probably going to be a 4-2-3-1 against Scotland. Um, nothing spectacular, but I think he's basically their view in going to Glasgow as a reasonably difficult place to go to, but just need to get a result. So is a general thought that Scotland won't be that much of a of a problem. Russia expect to have most of the ball. I'd expect is that kind of uh, yeah, I th- I th- I th- yeah. They don't expect anything particularly sophisticated from Scotland, which is perhaps you know harking back to slightly more stereotypical times. But I think they're probably thinking that there's going to be uh, Andy Robertson sticking it in the mixer for one of the forwards to get on the end of it. I mean, um, I mean they're not wrong. But no- <laughs> no, well, <laughs> I mean, perhaps they aren't. And obviously, as, as we all know, that Andy Robertson is pretty good at sticking it in the mixer for Liverpool. So there's definitely a weapon. But um, I think overall, they, they don't really think the Scots are going to offer anything particularly interesting. Um, and I mean, in terms of the team itself, I think it's, it's going to be reasonably settled. And I think, um, you know, Zuba up top, Zuba, the uh, big lumbering centre forward, who was the sort of national hero at the World Cup, he did want to move to England, didn't quite work out for him. But he's, you know, the safe option up top. I mean, Golovin's probably going to come into play behind him. Uh, Azdoyev and uh, Zobnin or Spartak Moscow. Even so, Zobnin has had a pretty mediocre start to the season, but Cherchesov likes this sort of pairing, kind of picks itself. I think um, it would be interesting to see what happens on Russia's right and Scotland's left because um, Andy Robertson is going to be up against uh, Mario Fernandes, uh, the nationalised Brazilian, who is basically the most outstanding player in this team in, in, some, in certain ways because he's absolutely reliable. He gets forward really, really well. And, you know, if you've got two full attacking fullbacks against each other, let's just see sort of what sort of solid field can give them. Uh, and on the other side, you know, we could possibly see a veteran. Um, it's unlikely. But Yuri Zhirkov, who just turned 36, um, was to play in the World Cup. He kind of retired from the national team then came back. Uh, he wasn't really a starter for Zinni St. Petersburg, you know, at the start of the season. But he um, played on um, left of the midfield against Spartak Moscow, scored an absolute belter, and uh, Zenit won 1-0 against Spartak. So he's now being called up, so maybe he might come on and do something. Uh, one of the things that uh, sort of the general public has complained slightly about is that uh, Fyodor Chalov, who um, you know, top scored in the Russian League last year, but plays sort of a similar position to Zuba, uh, hasn't been called up. And um, another guy, Shapi Sulimanov, who's uh, kind of been turning it up for... Uh, Krasnodar in the David Fairclough role. I mean, last season, he, I think, scored about 9, 10 goals coming on as a sub. Um, this season, he's been starting a little bit more, but, you know, a, a few games, mostly as a sub. But he scored two cracking goals against Porto in the Champions League qualifying, a campaign that was eventually doomed because uh, after knocking out Porto, Krasnodar and Locke got battered by Olympiakos. But uh, a few eyebrows raised, he wasn't called up. But I think, um, again, it harks back to the fact that Cherchesov doesn't really want experiments and, you know, he sticks to what he knows. He's going to stick to the 4 2 3 1 probably isn't going to go for the more aggressive 4-4-2 which played safe and you know ugly 1-0-2-0 win Right guys well, we've heard from Sasha what team are you guys going for? I was going to go with a, a 4-2-3-1 which has got O'Donnell right back Bates Mulgrew Robertson 
two city midfielders being McGinn and McGregor, mm-hmm. and then the three forward midfielders, Forrest, Christie, and Fraser. Then I put Naismith up front. Really? Purely just because he's got the experience, he's got the leadership skills. We don't have many better options. I wouldn't throw McBurney in there or anyone like that. Why that, wouldn't you throw McBurney in? Is, is anything to do with that... That um, no, not the video. video to, no, no, not, not the yeah. video at all. No. Um, because he sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Any time he's been thrown on onto the pitch, he's, he's not really done anything for Scotland. I'm also a big advocate of that. If players have got European experience or previous international experience, then they should be starting ahead of of someone who's done well in the championship, in the English Championship, and just just into the Premier League. Yeah. If he's firing in all cylinders in the Premier, English Premier League, then maybe you'd you'd think about throwing him in. But it's a huge couple of games well especially Russia tonight I just don't think you can throw people in that's we're talking about the defence as well Liam Cooper people think he could start because we don't have many better options with Suter and McKenna out but I would put Bates in there just because he's already had a few caps and he was playing in Germany Bates comes out in because McKenna and Hanley are out as well so Uh it's um, it's interesting but Clark picked Eamon Brophy um, as his striker against Cyprus who have you gone up front JJ work yourself from front to back for us Front to back. Well, I would play two goalkeepers to start. <laughs> in lieu, really? Well, there's no defenders, is there? I mean, you'd think David Marshall will start because, I mean, I'm basing that mostly in that he's the only one I really know because all I've seen is highlights of the other players, so I don't know how good they are. Yeah. I assume, well, I mean, obviously they'll scout it so they know how good these boys are. In defence, you'd think maybe David Bates would get a chance at centre-back. Probably it's going to be Charlie Mulgrew next to him. Mm-hmm. He brings experience. Uh, not particularly great experience, but experience. What I mean is that he loses thing for Scotland. And then right back, I think you'd have to play... I'd play a four as well. You'd have Stephen O'Donnell, because he just plays right back. I think it's very important. We've seen that you have to know someone who knows a position inside yeah. out to make sure it works. I think there's a good example. You saw like uh, uh, in the English uh, Premier League, uh, they played Davison Sanchez at right back, Spurs did, and it, they kept punishing him. And Russell do the same thing. You play someone who's in the right back at right back. Left back's obviously Captain Robbo leading the way. The problem we've got, right, is we've got a million great central midfielders and how do you get them all on the same team you want to get John McGinn and Callum McGregor have to be in there mm-hmm. so if you play a two then that means you could play someone behind a striker but you want to play um, uh, Ryan Christie I think definitely but he would play as like a second striker you could also try and get Stuart Armstrong in as well and they could dovetail so they can both share the 10 and the 9 space and they could both run off that way in a sort of it's a 4-3-3 and a 4-2-3-1 depends where you are maybe defending as a 4-4-2 when they're out of possession but Ryan Fraser's got to start left, has to, and James Fodder should be right. So you've got your attack on the counter-attack down each wing. I suspect Alden McBurney will play because, in theory, he can hold it up because he looks like he can. But I don't know if he can. Well, see, this is, this, is my, this is my theory, right? Because of everything that's happened, I think it's the perfect catalyst to play Alden McBurney. It's the perfect moment for Steve Clark to turn around to him and say, right, show us how much you want to play for us. Go out there and absolutely boss it up. I'm not front. buying that, honestly. I don't no? think. Okay. I, I, mean, I think I the players care. I, I mean, that that works only if we win. Do you know? Do you know what I mean? Because of, of because course. then you're you're putting so much pressure on on one one player and you're putting all the nation's hopes. Do you think McBurney's that bothered by this the no, stuff? Like, I, I don't think, I think he's that I think bothered. If you but have if you have behind McBurney, you know your Forrest, your Ryan Frasers, and 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 arguably your a uh, Ryan Christie, but, but, then that's that's there to that's yeah, or just Ryan Christie. <laughs> that's there to support. It's not him. He's there to you know help get it into the channels and 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 help supply the support and vice versa. And I just think it's it's mentality for these. these these internationals, right? It's mentality going into these games, pumped up to perform at your highest level for 
your national team. I just so, don't think he's that kind of link-up striker that maybe, maybe yeah, Stephen Naismith is. Yeah, Stephen right. Fletcher, proven it, yeah. proven it time Stephen time Fletcher did it as well, even Naismith's, fairly recently. Naismith's not fit enough to play, and he was just even surprised mm. he was called up. And I expect he's there more to bring everyone up to a certain level and set standards in training and in the matchday squad. Now, I think I think it's really important uh, that we consider is how we approach both games. Belgium, yeah. I think we're going to get absolutely hammered, right? We'll start with Russia just now. Is that as Sasha was saying, they don't think Scotland are very good and are likely to have more of the ball and be the side in possession. So we're going to be counter attack. You'll defend deep in a, like a, a lower block and you'd have a 4 4 2 or maybe a 4 2 3 1, 4 5 1, whatever you want to call it. It doesn't matter. Snodgrass is going to get you chances from set pieces. You can cut inside out from the right, so you can play him, but you want to have width, so you need Forrest to be there because Donald can't get too far forward for fear of being caught. Mm. Fraser's got to play wide left, and again, uh, Forrest and, and Fraser all ping forward in the counter attack if you're sat deep, that's your out. If you play Christie as well, second striker, it's not going to be a strikerless formation, but it means you can play Snoddy behind him in a 10, and uh, he'd be able to feed in Christie, who is fast. He can also play balls out either side to their two to help with the counter, and he can drop into midfield, yeah. either him or Christie, and suddenly you've got a better balanced side, I think, rather than just having McBurney chasing players, getting knackered, and then nothing really happens. I mean, I would love it if he ended up scoring a hat-trick. And, and we've not even talked about McTominay yet, who is playing well for Man United, and a lot of people have, have said to me well, he, he should be starting, but, but I don't, he, I don't, where does he, he fit in? Yeah. This is the danger, because what we saw on, on Sunday was Rangers, Gerrard set out five pretty much central midfielders in the midfield you can over flood your your midfield just because I think that was a different sort of scenario I know, I know what you mean but that was a different shape try, altogether try, trying to fit in too many players just to but that was a deliberate, say, deliberate tactical ploy like playing a 3-2-1 he had, he had his reasons for it you've got to play McGregor because he's probably the best midfielder in the Squad team, probably yeah. right. Uh-huh. Ball playing and yeah. ball retention. And McGinn's yeah. box to box kind of ball winner as well. McTominay isn't a defensive midfielder, nor is he an attacking one. But he's not really box to box. He just is useful. Yeah, he'll, he'll, like he'll, he'll probably. <laughs> but he is. He'll like, probably play on Monday night. But whether he plays tonight is is the question. Do you reckon? And if you are trying to fit him in, I would maybe have McGregor playing off the strike and Christie up top on his own. McGregor's better detail. Just, just but but then you're then you're taking your most informed player, which is Christie at the moment, yeah. out of its natural position. It's Focus, it's a tough yeah. one, but Focusing, purely because we don't have a good striker. Focusing <laughs> on these results as a whole, what do Scotland need to get? What's an acceptable amount of points out of these next two games? One one, one point. Three. What to, to try and qualify? We'd need three out of these two games. So if that we, means we, we have be Bel- to beat Russia or Belgium. Yeah. If we beat Belgium, do we get like, bonus points? <laughs> oh, shit. Because <laughs> that would be, be like five. I look forward to you not becoming Scotland manager, <laughs> but head of the SFA or some sort of governing body, JJ. What, the, uh, the refereeing decision and points at um, <laughs> like even awarding you, Tombola? Even if you take it for the next three games, because we've got Russia away after, yeah. after this, we need at least four points and one of those three points to be against Russia. Yeah. Like one, one thing that I think is really good, no Eden Hazard, he's out and injured but there is always the absolute legends like Kevin De Bruyne on fire five assists in three games for Man City it's going to be a tough ask but let's hope that Scotland men follow in the footsteps of Scotland women last week who won 8-0 against Cyprus Aye, Kim Little scored five let's just put her in the men's team <laughs> not sure that's how that works <laughs> she's another midfielder isn't she I would yeah. <laughs> yeah great game great result as well obviously obviously you'd like the men's team to be anywhere near as good as the women's are they should have got through to the knockouts of the yeah, World yeah. Cup, mm-hmm. but as we've uh, we've worked out, 
there's a major flaw. And if there are any major flaws in the Scotland men's team, of course, they'll be yeah. known by secret agent Sean Maloney, who is <laughs> Roberto Martinez's assistant at Belgium. Just speaking about the women's, because I, I went to the WSL Media Day and bumped into the likes of uh, Jennifer Beatty and stuff like that. And it was so like heartwarming just to hear how like really positive they are. Like Even though Scotland went out, it was just like, we just can't wait to get on to the next thing. Can't wait to get on to the next thing. It was really, really well, interesting. The cr- crowd wasn't as big as you'd hoped, though. I think it was about 5,000. The gate was about th- between three and 5,000. And I really would have thought... Because I didn't even see it advertised anywhere by the SFA, and I think that's a real like opportunity missed, like an open goal kind of miss to really push it. They've done it a lot in England. Well, this, one, of, one of the exciting things for the WSL this coming season, you've got like, some Man City's opening games at Etihad. Chelsea's opening game... Um, is at Stamford Bridge. What would be excellent is if Scottish the Scottish FA, them. you know, worked out the fixtures that some of some of the women's games can be played at the likes of Ibrox and Easter Road. Well, and all the, the, the Easter Road was the last game. It's the Cyprus game was Easter Road. But this is the Scotland game. I'm talking oh, about. Right. I'm yeah. talking about the club games. No, no, I, they, they, they play Champions League Champions games, games at Easter, Easter Road. Road. I think they've worked that out for this season. Yeah, there's about eight different leagues or something in this the Scottish women's game, and it, it's all over the place. Like Aberdeen are in a league with a whole bunch of other teams. Um, Glasgow is. Like the best women's team, the one that Scott Booth manages, and then you think at some point they'd try and bring it all together into one nice, sellable league yeah. where they can properly promote it, and then we can enjoy it. At least the women's team nationally is very good. Good luck, Scotland. I'm Roger Giggs, and I want to talk to you about loyalty. I've always lived a loyal life, always drinking the same pub. Not anymore, Pam. Champagne, please. Never missed a training session in my life. Always go to the same gym. Come on, Rod, think of someone that makes you angry. No one comes to mind. Problem is, loyalty gets you nowhere. Live for rewards instead. That's why I'm Paddy's Rewards Club ambassador. Thanks, Paddy. Paddy Power's Rewards Club. Loyalty's dead. Live for rewards. On Spotify, smart speaker and podcast platforms everywhere, this is the Totally Scottish Football Show from Muddy Knees Media. And now Ryan Kent. What can he do here? Ryan Kent has done brilliantly and he's got an equalise! Individual inspiration provided by Ryan Kent. Right, well, we kind of have to talk about last weekend, champion Celtic 2-0 winners at Ibrox on Sunday which may explain what we saw on deadline day. £7 million spent by Rangers on Ryan Kent. It's a huge fee. They've certainly got a number of attacking midfielders already, but he was Young Player of the Year in Scotland last year. He's, he will be a, a good addition. I think it was yourself that tweeted this week uh, that he, he has to double his stats if he's yeah. going to be worth the price tag, and I, I'd, I'd agree <laughs> with that. And certainly for his goals and assists, it's £7.5 million on a player you'd expecting to make an impact on their title challenge. It's a lot exactly. of money, right? Yeah. And, and they didn't, it doesn't happen if they hadn't qualified for the Europa League. In fact, a lot of things probably wouldn't have happened if they'd not qualified for the Europa League because they needed the money from that. If you look at their squad, it is quite big. It's about two players per position. There are eight players on the squad who are there for two defensive midfield slots. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan Jack, Steve Davis is essentially a attacking midfielder, you know what I mean? So Jack Davis, um, Arrivo plays in centre mid, Arfield plays centre mid quite a lot, Kamara, Andy King, yeah. and Greg Doherty as well, Plenty. who's just floating about there. Mm-hmm. And then the likes of Jake Hastie's going out on loan to Rotherham. And we were worried about that happening to him. It, well, it, it was yeah. always going to happen, man. And yeah. then Greg Doherty as well is hoping to get in the Rangers team. Like He's not getting in that team again. No. So Ryan Kent, though, and I think, I know it's a lot of money, and I know as some folks that aren't 
sure this is a wise investment because he only did like so many assists and whatever goals that season. He changes games for Rangers and is, I think, in the games that I watched them was mostly their best player, Morelos yeah. as well, right? Yeah. I think you saw examples in the game against Celtic on, on Sunday exactly why he would work. Now, as we are just mentioning earlier about like, the shape, I, there's a massive, like, forensic, nerdy, tactical breakdown of how Rangers played in that game and how I think Gerard got it totally wrong. Mm-hmm. And it's not so much that Lennon played a masterclass, as he said, <laughs> after the game. Like, very basic, but really well organised is what they did. But Rangers were 4-3-2-1. It's like a Christmas tree kind of formation, really narrow, and it just gave Celtic loads of space on the opposite channel, wherever the ball was. They could keep the ball in their own half, easily but they had no way of progressing mostly because Tavernier was too far forward and easily marked so there was no way out to the wide area then our field was tucking in not even too centrally or wide he was stuck in this kind of purgatory between two places where there was no pass available to him he had Arabo was just like no use whatsoever muscled the ball every time he got near to it on the left again not in a position field to receive it wanted to go wide but couldn't see his block couldn't go inside because there people there and Flanagan's not really getting forward so they had no way of getting the ball forward they started punting it forward giving the ball to Celtic every single time and it happened again and again and again change at half time went to a 4-2-3-1 just a straight up and suddenly they could get balls through the lines to progress it and keep it in the opposition half and they were better but Ryan Kent, what he would have brought to that team is someone who drops and knows when to go wide and into the central spaces between the lines. Mm-hmm. There's so many, like, I did loads of screen grabs in that. And there's just like, so the, the midfield three in the first half were always facing Celtic's midfield block. So behind that, you had the, the forward three, essentially, up the other end of the park in a middle space. And then the entire of the half, I'm trying to do like boxes. Yeah, no, JJ's like <laughs> actually with his fingers organising. I'm doing uh, tactics to no one because you can't hear this as, a, as an audio medium. But the uh, <laughs> so there was this. No, there's no one in there to either receive the the ball so they couldn't get it forward. That's what I was. I mean, just what I've just literally been saying. But Kent can do both: come out wide or go through the middle, and he can run and is direct. He can take the ball in the half turn, go straight at players, and defenders hate him. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I think that's the thing. The Rangers have brought him in because he, he can be the difference. Yes. He can be the yeah. difference that causes oppositions to change their whole game plan. Absolutely. Yes, yeah. So uh, worth worth the money then, right? I think even for the, not the fear factor so much, but you suddenly have to do something to deal with him. Whereas I think like what we've seen from CEO Joe, for example, I think I mentioned this last week actually, right? Hugely talented player, great with the ball at his feet is kind of easy to see out of a game and can produce moments of magic, but he doesn't do enough consistently to actually affect the outcome of games and gets lost in the middle of the of the match. And I think um, Arabo is another one who is clearly like a class act, right, and will develop into a very good player. But again, he was easily taken out of the game against Celtic, and I wonder whether that's to do with positioning or rather than just him not turning up. Well, Ojo, Ojo obviously on loan from Liverpool. Ryan Kent was on loan last season. He comes into this Rangers side in a much better place knowing this division knowing Rangers and knowing what it means to to win football matches but let's talk about Celtic obviously bragging rights went back to the east end of Glasgow they were pretty busy they got a lot of people in Mohamed El Yunusi uh, has came in on loan for Southampton Norwegian winger and cost Southampton 16 million just a year ago I mean this guy should be Amazing, right? Like, if he cost £16 million, or how badly wrong did they get it? Well, what's £16 million worth in that league now, though? <laughs> yeah, <I don't> <laughs> exactly. Like, that's, um, the other thing they signed, because I, I thought Bolingoli... Thing. Was, uh, what? The other thing the other they thing. signed. The, well, yes. Talk thing. about football players now. Talk about football players, they are assets. Commodities. Yes. Commodities in this modern game. 
Paul Angoli was decent against Rangers. I thought he had a decent game. He was allowed to because he was allowed to get into wing back position because the way Rangers were point. playing. That's a really good. That's point. why he wasn't really tested it in one v one defending. But Greg Taylor uh, came in for undisclosed amounts of money. I wonder how much yeah. they paid because they were trying to chuck Jack Hendry and uh, the rumor was three million, and I think that's that's got to be a fair amount of money. I think we've yeah. we've talked about this a lot. Scottish clubs out with Celtic and Rangers sticking up for themselves. Because they were trying to throw in Jack Hendry, I think Calvin Miller was a possible one for going out to kill Mark I mean, on a permanent it's just, it's just like, I don't know, it's like trying to give you something you don't want, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, I really want your bottle of water you've got there, Anthony. I'm going to give you um, 10 pence and this button on the floor. Do you want that? No, you don't. Right. Okay, well, then I'm not having it. <laughs> but that's kind of like the well, negotiation. Weird, well, weird you can't just go yeah. in with a low-ball offer. Like, Celtic moan about the offers they get for players, and then they go in with that sort of nonsense. The offer, the offer aside, is this a good signing? Yeah. We don't know how Bolingoli is going to be, and he's a three million pound signing from Rapid Vienna, who mm-hmm. was meant to replace Tierney, but it hasn't but quite worked. There's, 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 there's competition now for no, places. Greg, one, one thing you know is Greg Taylor's going to be fine domestically. It's whether he can make that step up into European level. With they've got uh, like Lazio and Ren Cluj again, obviously. He has shown signs that he can at Kelly, but also he played very well in Brussels for Scotland against Belgium. Yeah. And that was against three world-class players. And there are signs that he could become a good left-back as well. Let's hope that happens tonight if he starts. Kilmarnock have finally got themselves another striker backing up Eamon Brophy. Osman So. Wow. The much-travelled <laughs> Osman So. Uh, last Osmond time we saw so him, he was dear. part of the worst penalty shootout of all time. That, that's not hyperbole that is accurate oh yeah absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely. it was, it was shocking one of the worst penalties as well like that there was oh, I can't remember I mean they needed a striker and uh, was the chairman was on Twitter saying don't worry we're looking we're looking she said on Twitter and then they came in with Osmond <laughs> so he like come on lads they had the whole summer to identify and try and get someone in I think that's a sign of really poor recruitment. Hey, maybe he'll be great, and maybe that's exactly what they wanted, and maybe he fits into exactly what LSU wants, but, I suspect. But, but Kilmarnock's scouting policy has literally came from Juventus or the Scottish Premiership, so or Scottish Championship in this case. So, hello, lads, is Del Piero still around? <laughs> no. He probably could do a no, job, you know. He definitely could, yeah. Kelly didn't really get what they needed in this window, and they also got, uh, well, Kirk Broadfoot is gone. Greg Taylor was gone. Mm-hmm. Um it's the thing quite interesting with Kirk Broadfoot so he went back to St Mirren and then did a tell-all interview I think was it the yeah, record he was in yeah. expose this is a weird one and very typical of what I'd think Kirk Broadfoot would think uh, so it's about the changes at Rugby Park and how he doesn't like the change I've got this in front of me it's brilliant so Steve Clark was super organised and there was a real tempo to training to every session when Angelo came in training was just so flat I didn't feel fit or sharp Angelo was big on shape and that seemed to be his big thing. I know Angelo has worked at some top clubs and top players but I'm not sure it was right for the guys we had at Kilmarnock. Now, I think this is really interesting because clearly Clark has worked under some very talented managers, the assistant at Josie Mourinho, the kind of boys. So he knows the kind of tactical concepts and training that you can apply and he's a very talented coach himself. He's a great manager. But <laughs> Angelo Alessio has worked under Antonio Conte, will have a different way of doing things and what I found most striking about this was that Broadfoot was saying how he had to go away and do his own personal tr- like fitness training. St- yeah, st- yeah. I suspect that the training Alessio was put on is absolutely fine fitness-wise and it just isn't what Broadfoot's used to because he's wanting to go up and down hills, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. Sand dunes or something. Yeah, and like maybe I'm totally wrong. So I hope I, if, if I'm wrong, Kirk, please phone in and we'll... Uh, it's not live, obviously. You can't do that. <laughs> but get in touch, right? But like modern coaching... 
especially with things like there's this concept called tactical periodization, which is a Portuguese thing, which Ooh. takes years and years and years and oh, years. Tactical people, period what? Periodization. periodization. People study it for years at uni, right? So I can't possibly even nice. begin to touch on it. Someone's but, just become a football coach. <laughs> yeah. I knew this before that. It's reading. So, but the way you do it is that rather than just have folk that like, run up and down hills and like go over sprints for, for ages, you do everything with the ball. So every bit of training you do is to do with um, something you're going to focus on on the pitch. So if you want to teach your players to press in a wide area by the halfway line sure. yeah, you do yeah, a short-sided yeah, game yeah, to do that yeah. and the drills you do will include enough fitness work that keeps you fit just because you're not so, like hanging out your arse doesn't yeah, mean you've not done this, fitness training this is this is the point right like any coach any coach that takes over a club is always going to change something about that club and it's whether or not as a player you're willing to be interested enough open enough to accept this change and to try and learn something different yeah. and the thing is Kurt Broadfoot is what 36 35. 35 years old, coming to the end of his career. He admits in that article as well, he wants to enjoy his football. He doesn't want to learn a different style of football. On that sort of note as well, maybe this is one of the things we can see about Alessio that, so although he's got his first league win, he's won a couple already, but uh, it could be that the what he expects and demands of his players isn't suited to the mentality of the ones that he has. So if they are used to having proper kind of old school training styles and they're not getting it, a bit of unrest and that would feed into to morale and how much they trust what he's trying to teach them and we're doing a lot on shape shape's really important but it's actually meant to be really boring to do mm-hmm. during training because you're just literally just telling people where to stand what to do in certain situations it takes forever to learn it but I, I really thought it was dead interesting that Broadfoot was so against it and of course I mean it sounds quite like the kind of thing I it's how I thought he might react to it <laughs> a little of Kurt Broadfoot You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. As mentioned earlier, it is Scottish Challenge Cup weekend and one of the most eye-catching games sees Solihull Moors, second in England's National League last season. They travel to Kelty Hearts of the Lowland League. Craig Telfer from the Terrace, a.k.a. Tell Him He's Pelly, joins us now. Craig, this is a Kelty squad currently second in the table. Who are some of the names in this squad that we should be looking out for? Well, the main players you'd be looking out for is Nathan Austin. Nathan Austin was playing championship football with Inverness Caledonian Thistle last season, mm. and he's got 16 league goals in seven games. The reason he signed, he, he was getting, I read an interview with him after he signed for Kelty Hearts, and the reason he, 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 moved, he chose for Kelty is because uh, his his partner had had recently had a child, and he was he was in Inverness. He was feeling a bit lonely, so he wanted to come back closer to the family. And he also said they're paying him a lot of money as well. So fair play to him for being honest about that. But wow. in the in the in the Lowland League, Nathan Austin streets ahead of anyone else. You can you watch his movement, uh, the way he takes the ball inside the box, just the speed of thought, the the finishing. The he's just just everything. He's just he's just a lot better than the standard of the league. And it's no surprise. To, I was surprised to see how many goals he scored, but it's no surprise to see him out in front in the scoring charts. Uh, what do you make of the job that Barry Ferguson's done? He's been there for a, is it a year now, I think, isn't it? Yeah, it's a bit too early to tell how, how good a job he's done. I think we should be uh, focusing on that question this time in May at the, the end of the season. Certainly, Kelty have a, a very good start to the season. As you mentioned, they're, they're, they're second in the Lowland League, played seven, you know, one six, they had a, a surprising defeat to Cumbernauld Colts, but that match they could have easily won. They hit the bar three times and missed a penalty in that game. So it's, it's fine fine margins there. But I think that he's maximising the best of the players he's got. Like Kelty's mentioned there with Nathan Austin. He was 
wasn't the only player who signed from the Championship or League One. They also took Dylan Easton from Forfar, Thomas Riley from Forfar, absolutely phenomenal midfielder, good enough to be playing the Championship. Scott Linton came in from East Fife, so he's amalgamated those players very successfully. A couple of uh, like old hands from the from the Lowland League, and some players have been at Kelty Hearts for, for years. So on the whole, I think I think everyone should be very impressed with the job he's doing. But it's too early to tell at the moment. We'll, we'll know at once the once the league season finishes. What what do you think about this competition then? The Scottish Challenge Cup. Um, it's the second season that clubs from Ireland and England's fifth tier have been invited to this competition. What do you make of it? You know, you know something. I'm I'm, I'm a Stennis Muir supporter, yeah. and at the weekend we're playing KNS, and I mm. cannot wait for the game. <laughs> Genuinely, cannot wait for it because it's it's a, it's a so a novelty. You know, we have never played TNS before, and I I don't know what to expect. You know, you play your your league games, you play some of your your like Scottish Cup ties. You've got a fair understanding of the opposition that you're playing against. I have no idea what to expect. <laughs> I suppose it's it's the idea though when when these clubs get further in the competition and there's a more realistic chance they could win it. That is the sort of stuff that I'm, I'm not too hot on. But for the moment, I'm very excited. The, the thing that I don't like about the Cup is the introduction of the Colt teams. Dead against that. Yeah. And uh, we're, sort of like, we're talking about Kelty Hearts. They beat Kilmarnock's Colts team 4-0 mm-hmm. uh, to, get, to get against Solihull Moors. So you're, you're kind of thinking that that there's, there's no real benefit for that, and I think it's like a sort of thin end, thin end of the wedge to to get like old firm cold teams into yeah. into League Two. I, I, I tend to agree, and the, the one thing I really like Craig as well is like the fact that Air United are off to Wales as well because they're playing mm-hmm. Wrexham, aren't they? It, it can yeah. be exciting for fans. It does give them a bit of a a mad away day. Well, there was the last season East Fife were drawn against Bohemians, and yeah. uh, they play in Dublin, mm-hmm. and it took them months to get the game organised, like months. And then it came to when the actual fixture was played itself. <laughs> Literally before kickoff, the match was cancelled because of a frozen pitch. And what subsequently, Bohemians had to withdraw from the competition because there was there was no way, there was no time in their fixture or no time for these five to come back over. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the pitfalls of of this happening. But certainly, I think if you speak to any of these five fans who made the trip over to Dublin, they had an absolutely superb time. What about the um, the Scottish Cup for Kelty? Um, they've drawn Auchin Lake Talbot. Can, oh, can, yeah. can Kelty hope for a, a similar run that Talbot had last year? I don't see why not. I don't see why not. This is probably the most probably one of the most interesting ties that we've seen in the competition to, at this stage for, for, for a long time because it's Auchin Lake Talbot are the most celebrated name in Scottish junior football and you've got these sort of ambitious upstarts from the Lowland League. So it'll be very, very interesting to, to see how, how, how they get on. I think that... Things. I'm only really going by the, the cup run that Auchin Lake had last year but there's yeah. some good hard players in that team and the match is through in Ayrshire as well so it'll be interesting to see I, I, I wouldn't want to call it if not if I'll, I'll, I'll get off the fence I'll, I'll back Auchin Lake for that <laughs> Slavin you know I know nothing about non-league in England <laughs> but you know loads yeah, this is your forte. Yeah. It's, um, Tell me about Solly Hall. It's a bit odd for a Scottish boy to know so much about England's fifth tier. Solly Hall Moors, kind of an interesting one, uh, managed by Tim Flowers, uh, former Blackburn, former Premier League winner. There's a few interesting names in there. Paul McCallum, former Hearts striker, you not Kelty Hearts. <laughs> Paul McCallum, yeah, he scored a mad like 28 goals or something like that for for Eastleigh last season. Helped them get to the playoffs. Very much a kind of target man, will win everything in the air, and he's one to keep an eye out. He's just coming back from injury, though, so he might not start another 
uh, one of their centre forwards, Nathan Blissett. Um, he's the nephew of Luther Blissett. Remember him? I do yeah. remember Luther Blissett, yeah. yeah. Well, his nephew is nowhere near as good as Luther, um, <laughs> but he is joint top goal scorer with Paul McCallum. He's quite a pacey forward. And um, the thing is, we saw the Hill, they're very one-dimensional, so they will lump the ball up. They've not got much to say in the, the midfield department, but they're, they're organised, they're, they're a unit, and they know what they're good at. They're struggling, though. They've not won a game in four, so three defeats in those. They drew 0-0 on Tuesday against Notts County. So they are struggling for goals, they're struggling for wins at the moment. This is the time for Kelty, I think. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven and JJ Bull. Time now for the latest odds with our man Lee Price at Paddy Power. Lee, we've bemoaned the fact that we are a bit short of strikers. So who exactly is going to be the first goal scorer for Scotland at Hamden against Russia? Yeah, and uh, I don't want to sound harsh, but there being no goal scorer in this match is ahead of any Scotsman in the first goal score betting. Ouch. Uh, two Russian lads are each 5-1 to one open the scoring for the visitors, Smolov and Juba, I think I said those correctly, with no goal score in the game, 11-2. to two. Then you're looking at Oliver McBurney at 13-2, to two, Stephen Naismith and Johnny Russell both 15-2, to two, Ryan Christie 8-1, to one, Matt Phillips 9-1, to one, or James Forrest 10-1. to one. It seems a long shot that we could then face Belgium and get a win. How long a shot are we talking? Yeah, I don't want to be really kicking Scotland while they're down, but... If you aren't favourites at home to Russia, which you're not, then you're certainly not favourites when Belgium come to town. But being positive, it's not a mind-numbing price. Belgium are odds-on to win, as you might begrudgingly expect. They're four to nine to get the three points. Scotland are five to one to win at Hamden, or three to one to snatch a point. And there's got to be value in that. Ryan Kent is back in Scottish football, young player of the year last season. Can he go one better? Uh, maybe. He's about middle of our betting market. He's 14 to 1, which is the same price as Celtic captain Scott Brown, so he's not doing badly, but he's not our favourite. That's Odson Eduard, who's 7 to 2. And behind him, you can get Alfredo Morelos or Ryan Christie, both at 5 to 1. And behind those guys, you've got Defoe, Forrest, and Cham at 7 to 1, James Tavernier at 9 to 1, and then Kent and Brown. But it is very early doors, so someone might emerge. So the Europa League draws took place, exciting occasion, I was twittering my arse off for this one, um, but we'll start with Celtic, uh, the first team is Lazio, the Decanio derby, Celtic v Cluj, revenge, and then Ren, who are a lot better than the team they faced, I think, back in 2007? Eight years ago, it was under Lennon as well, wasn't it? Chad, was it? Oh, right, Chad Durie yeah. scored an own goal with a back pass. Chad Durie. Yeah. We should do a podcast on some absolute random players that played in this division. Um, what do you think, guys? Celtic have got to be looking to qualify from that group. Lazio is obviously a, a huge test, and Ren are also a huge test as well. They're top of league oh, at mm. the moment. Yeah, they beat PSG but, in their opening yeah. game of the season. There and then, no mugs. But to secure qualification, they're going to have to beat Cluj home and away. Yeah, that's that's a given. Like like they did last year, they got through by beating Rosenberg home and away, and then that one win against Leipzig at home. They're going to need to do something similar, but you'd like to think they can get points off off Ren as well. What about Lazio? Because they've never faced in competitive action before, but yeah. this is probably an exciting one for most Celtic fans going off to Rome. Yeah, definitely, and I think you get quite a huge away allocation as well for the Stadio Olimpico. And I think Frankfurt got ten thousand. Celtic could definitely be looking for something like that, and could be quite a trip to Rome. I think Celtic will be the team mostly on the on the back foot in a lot of these games, which maybe suits them. I think you can already see that the defence is a lot stronger. I thought Christopher Julien was superb 
against Rangers mm-hmm. and is a great buy, it looks like. The left-back thing should be sorted out. I think had Julian had a bit more time to get used to the side and had uh, the left-back situation been sorted out earlier, they probably would have beaten Cluj. Interesting. Yeah. Well, Rangers have Porto, Feyenoord and Young Boys. It's a bit of a Champions League group, that, isn't it? Yeah. From like 2005. Yeah, yeah. I know, like a, almost like a, an old-school Champions League tie. Uh, well, yeah, Young thing. Boys were in the Champions League last year, weren't yeah. they? Yeah. Uh-huh. So, uh, they're good in Porto, Porto are tidy. Like, they've got some really decent players. Porto have been getting into the last 16 for a few uh-huh. years. So Pepe plays for them, for example. Remember him? Which Pepe? The, the cycle one, the uh, the defender, the centre back. Oh, the there was that that Real Madrid. Yeah. And then he's, a, he's a bit older now, you know. He's he's still fine. I can't work out Rangers at all. Like from what we went through with that Celtic game, and from what we've seen all through the season, I don't know how they plan on creating chances. Ryan Kent might make a big difference to how they do that. Defensive wise, they're okay because mm-hmm. they're kind of built up the way. I think Gerard's been quite cautious with it. It's really difficult to tell what stage they're at. All those teams are very, very, very difficult. You'd hope that. Ibrox, so the fans seem yeah. to behave themselves in the old firm derby, so that's good. If they can keep that kind of atmosphere, it gives them something extra yeah. when they're playing against these sort of teams. And so the, maybe they've got Feyenoord at home first, and that is a game where they might think, "Well, we can get a one 0 win, or we can get a two one win, or something." And they're also and, well matched. If they end up drawing other teams, if the other teams draw with each other, then it could just be that Rangers yeah, could cruise on through. Could be a group where all the teams beat each other. And Feyenoord haven't started well in the Eredivisie. They've uh, drawn three and. 1-1 one, one, which isn't ah, a great start right. managed, and, and managed by Yap Stam and Gerrard seems oh. to be really good uh, at, at managing in Europe like he's gotten yeah. through both times now they were good last season in, in Europe so I mean it'd be good for the coefficient if both teams were to actually you stole the words right out I of love the mouth. coefficient I love the coefficient well on the coefficient I have to end the podcast JJ Tony let's go watch the game producer Charlie can't come he has to edit the podcast hold on a second Laura Brannan's in the office. Laura, get in here. Hi, guys. Oh, she's back, everyone. Laura Brannan's gate-crashing the podcast. <laughs> Watch out. She's back to sort everyone out. <laughs> yeah, oh, you. That's what Laura did. <laughs> Every Monday would sort you out, JJ. Well, tell me about Motherwell. What's happening? What's going on? It's all go. Who's it's your favourite player? <laughs> Who's your not favourite player? Ooh, <laughs> there's a, a juicy that's a gossip. Question. That's for the pub afterwards. Ah. <laughs> no, it's non-stop. Um, I think since I moved back home, it's um, I don't think I've had a day off until the international break started this week. And I've had a chance to come back down to London, catch up with old friends. But it's just been absolutely non-stop. Um, I feel like the season has been gone for about four months already. Yeah. Well, it's been a good start for uh, Motherwell, well, after, Motherwell after the first two games, I think. Um, but Hammer and Hibs 3-0, goals for Sherwin Seedorf and Jermaine Hilton. Hilton? Hilton. Hilton. Like the hotel. Um, <laughs> they look all right. It's going well so far. I think I, when I spoke to you before the season started, I did say the fixtures coming up has potential here to cause a bit of panic if, mm. if results don't go our way. And you know what football fans are like. If you don't get two good results in a row, it's panic stations. <laughs> Everything is, is the biggest disaster of all Cracked time. Crests. Yep. <laughs> But yeah, the last two games, it's went well. We've had a derby win, a really good win against Hibs at the weekend there. And it kind of sent us into that break just on a complete high. Um, everyone's in good spirits again. The cracked crest is now reformed. Mm. Do you reckon that was the that? So it was 3-0, right? Do you reckon that was Motherwell being really good or Hibs being exceptionally poor and open 
It's and probably a mix of both, to be honest. Hibs have not I had agree. the best start to the season <laughs> at all. But everything clicked from Motherwell as well. The players, the new boys that have come in, they've settled so quickly. It's, it's been quite impressive. Some of them have, have done really well so far. Um, and especially considering that a lot of them have absolutely no Scottish football experience so far. And you've got mm. to kind of take that into consideration. Like likes of Seedorf and Hilton who scored at the weekend, they've never played at this level before. It's, Sherwin's so young. He's he's overawed, I think, by some yeah. of the sometimes on the pitch looking at the fans and things. And I think some of the things you see on Instagram him talking about, he's dreamt of this moment. He's he's lapping up the celebrations in front of the supporters when he scores. He's such a young boy. This is all so new to him. Uh, Jermaine Hilton as well. He's only really kind of played very lower leagues in England. Solly Holmes. Exactly. Who are playing Kelty Hearts, by the way. I wonder if Jermaine will go to that game. Yeah, I'll ask him. He's actually he's not even up to match fitness yet and I think the manager's been sort of trying to kind of that's why he's maybe coming on as a, as a, a late sub or vice versa he played in a reserve game earlier in the week just to try and get his match fitness up just to get minutes um, because he's been kind of out of that concentrated action for so long so as much as he's made an impression so far he's not made there's still so much more to come from him and he's, he's running rings around certain players and you think if that's him not fully fit what's he going to be like come November? Liam Donnelly's been a, a, a real surprise as well he'd scored four goals in 93 games and then all of a sudden it's eight goals in eight games <laughs> Liam Donnelly Ballon d'Or <laughs> <laughs> You having that JJ? Is Considine, go- uh, Considine, Considine Cosgrove gone? <laughs> Considine Ballon d'Or I'll have that <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great Just whatever just <laughs> give them all the Ballon d'Or. JJ's, Ballon just, door. JJ's just thinking about the pub. Um, <laughs> what's up next? Hibs travel to Killy. Yeah. They just get the first league win in the campaign. On the note with Hibs, so Heckenbottom's been playing players that he hasn't signed. The ones he signed again didn't. Well, they just haven't been very good, right? So he started to turf them out. Uh, I'm sure they'll get in the team at some point once they adjust. But it's weird how they've gone from the nice kind of play they had last year to this game. Like I was just asking Laura, they were so open. As in, like, like wide, so space between players, leaving the middle of the pitch especially open. You have, uh, like, Malin having to look over his shoulder all the time to check people behind him before he goes and makes a tackle, which is then easily beaten. Uh, Sador absolutely dead in Whitaker, who, <laughs> it, well, is Whitaker's really a left back, yeah. but he was playing at right back because of injuries and uh, hopeless. A good player at left back, but it's totally different when you're and everything's opposite on the other side. He was trying to take on Sador 1v1, which I'm sure is quite hard. He looks quite fast. And he was doing it, but he was getting beaten very easily, trying to show him outside, but not really enough, beaten to the line, trying to show him inside, not showing enough, beaten, and that's when Seedorf scores with his long-range kind of shot. I, I wonder if Heckenbottom's actually in a bit of trouble. Yeah. They look too easy to play through, don't they? Yeah, they really I was, do. I was, I was quite surprised they let, I, Yeah, exactly, the weakness. And I was surprised they let go of Marvin Bartley. Yes. I think he, he went he's, to Livingston. Yeah, I think really he would too. have been a player that he wouldn't have solved all their problems, but he'd have shored things up. And well, they need and a holding kind yeah. of player in there. They haven't well, not really got one. Well, someone who needs some good players is Craig Levine, because uh, Hearts were held at home at Hamilton. They're having an absolute nightmare. Um, but guess where they go next? Motherwell. Well, they welcome Motherwell. <laughs> Oh, of course, yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's right. Mother will actually go to Hearts. Um, I'm, um, I personally have uh, shivers over this one and it's the bad memories of the Cup game a couple of weeks ago. And I don't mean the performance that Mother will put in or the result that Mother will got. It was my own experience. So the game started and it was, you know, the, the typical Scottish weather of four seasons within an hour. Nice. So kickoff comes and it's this glorious night, lovely, really warm, strangely warm. Should have been suspicious. So I go out <laughs> and I'm filming behind the goal. It's goals. hot in here. Too hot. I'm filming behind the goal and it's the, the kind of far corner so it's like nowhere near the office nowhere near the kind 
and the offices are tall inside the building and I've got just my t-shirt on and this is this is August in Scotland it's, it's not safe territory <laughs> by about half an hour in the rain started and me and the photographers are looking at each other going it's fine it's passing it's just a shower by about 40 minutes we were in a river literally a river below my feet I had to lift my bag and put it on my back to save it because it was floating away um, I was drenched to the, the bone I had to walk in a half time like a drowned rat and I walked in and just went I need clothes <laughs> I need a change of clothes and the guys are going into the kit room for me trying to get I'm, I'm, I'm peeling off my jeans in the, the media office and the problem is I didn't have any like towel or anything so I'm just putting on oh. new clothes over like a wet body oh um, it was not comfortable you can just wear like a, put in a motherwell kit you can get out in the pitch <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I, I mean I put on a, a pair of joggy bottoms um, that were two sizes too big for me and my job at full time is to go on the pitch to film the players I'm running on with like one hand on my, my like hips trying race. to keep it up <laughs> um, it was not a pleasant experience so for just big winter coats kicking about these clothes it was sunny. It's sunny. Summy. It was sunny. It was sunny. Sunny and warm <laughs> at kickoff. And I have still not learnt my lesson being back home in Scotland that it's not always going to stay like that. How long is that? Well, You've been back now. That's been about five months now. Five months. Yeah, I'm and still. You haven't handled the weather yet. Yeah. Well, speaking of rivers, Hearts will be hoping for rivers of goals Whoa. against Motherwell. That's rubbish. They had another. I'm not well, I'm just that. trying to segue into it. Uh, <laughs> in the same way that Hibs were playing players out of position because of uh, injuries, same thing. Hickey's out of position, he was playing right back. A.D. White came in on the left. Now, he's missed like last two years, been injured, and he, I think he signed last in March, I think it was. He was awful. The poor boy, it was just a completely done. Um, playing at left back where Hickey should have been, Hickey was on the right. And considering two to Hamilton is not the best, Craig Levine is another kind of post match thing saying, well, it's not good we're enough. Almost we're, there. we're almost there. Yeah. No, they're not. Like, it's really far away. Playing Glenn Whelan, a 35 year old in the middle of the park. He didn't have a great game, particularly. Sean Clare played as a 10 this time, floating about somewhere. I mean, they're missing players that they should really have in the team. Sure enough, they're missing the goalkeeper. They're missing John Souter. Um, they played Ewan Henderson rather than uh, Stephen Naismith, yes. should be there. APS was on the bench. He doesn't seem to get in the, the team anymore. I don't know. I don't know what's going on at Hearts. It's not good. No, it's not good. They, they were bad. But Motherwell, having seen how they played against Hypies, I think should. I mean, Hearts be worried. They they don't look anywhere near as good as Motherwell do at the moment. Yeah, so maybe a good time to get them. Um, going looking at the kind of fixtures coming up from Motherwell as well. We've got um, so Hearts, St Johnson, Ross County, sandwiched between the two at home. Mm-hmm. So it's three winnable games in September and the most frustrating thing is as well from a club perspective is if we hadn't tripped up well I say tripped up because I was hoping for a victory um, some other people might have said it was a kind of fair result but the Livingston game on the first day of the season mm-hmm. it was a nothing each draw it was there for the taking it was very winnable from Motherwell and if they had won that depending on the scoreline they could be sitting second in the table right now which is so annoying well it might be annoying but we can't have Laura on the podcast and not ask her about Russia and Belgium full six points Laura how, how confident are oh, you I, I or, mean I was standing outside listening to you talking about the Scotland section pulling my hair out and I'm going <laughs> one point four points hold on a minute I'm here for the six points to be fair my question was what's acceptable and of course your acceptable answer you're, you would think acceptable six points yes but six we're, six we're realistic <laughs> we're being realistic realistically um, three points but that's because when we looked at this table before we kicked a ball we said the two games against Russia have to be won 
if we have to take second place. Mm-hmm. So it still remains the case. We have to beat Russia home and away to come second. Yes. But we've messed up. So we need to get three points from somewhere. So unless we take them in a game we don't expect them, which is Belgium, and the only chance now we've got is next week mm-hmm. on Monday. So it's that or we have to rely on somebody else slipping up Russia. Well, in a game that we're not expecting. This call goes out to Secret Agent Maloney. <laughs> yes. You know what to do. Activate Order Maloney. Right, there we go. We're going to leave it at that. We're going to head off to the pub and watch the game. Thanks, JJ. Thanks, Anthony. Thanks, Laura, for the surprise visit. Um, and thanks to Little Kicks for the song that you're hearing right now. Thank you for listening most of all. We'll be back next Friday with the return of the Premiership and we'll speak to you then. You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddynewsmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football Network at The Totally Show on Twitter. And make sure you check out our brand new website too, thetotallyfootballshow.com. Totally